0: Welcome to the Caris Molecular Minute podcast, the podcast on the intersection of precision medicine and clinical care. I'm your host, Dr. Shadi Nabhan. I'm a medical oncologist and a hematologist and I'm the chairman of the Caris Precision Oncology Alliance, the large research collaborative network that is destined to help the patients who are diagnosed with cancer and improve their outcomes leveraging data, machine learning, Artificial intelligence and genomic profiling. And today's podcast is with Dr. JJ Gao, who has joined CARIS in June 2022 uh, to really work on artificial intelligence, machine learning, bioinformatics, and to help synthesize the data that we have in order to get the best output possible to help improving the outcomes of patients with cancer. I appreciate your support and tuning in. Do not forget to subscribe to the show, rate the show, and write a brief review. Tell your friends, colleagues, relatives, families, and neighbors about this podcast and let me know what everybody thinks. Without further ado, Dr. JJ Gao exclusively, it's his first podcast, first podcast he provides to the Keras Molecular Minute. JJ, thank you for giving us the time tell us a little bit about you i mean um just a little bit about you academically personally what can you share with our listeners hi
1: uh Chatty, and uh thanks for you know inviting me here i'm really happy to be here it's a privilege so just stepping back a little like i'm a i'm a, actually a computational a biologist by training, my degrees were in computer science. Back in the days when I was in graduate school, I was I worked a lot on uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Initially, working on imaging analysis, um, but then later I, I pursued a Ph.D. in bioinformatics. Still using machine learning to actually uh, to try to predict basically phenotypic phenotypic features from genomics and from proteomics. Later then I switched the gear, pursued a PhD, uh, a, a postdoc actually, uh, at Memorial Sloan Capturing. Starting to work a lot more on the, that was actually back in 2011, I started to work a lot more on the engineering aspect, the getting data together to support research, to, 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 to make software, to do uh, visualization, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it's funny that, uh, so 2011 to uh, almost up to now, uh, actually, to about twenty, like after that, that, ten years in that period, I didn't really work on machine learning per se, and that was the almost like the golden age of machine learning. You know, people really started to uh, work on the, the uh, deep learning and, uh, and and other technology, and the whole field actually bloomed. So, a few years ago, I started getting back to the machine learning field, to artificial intelligence back in memorial scattering. And we were doing a lot of uh, data integration beyond genomics and getting actually the imaging data as well as other, you know, uh, basic clinical data, combine them together to do multimodal predictors. So I found like everything actually chased the back. There's a trend like, it's interesting that, you know, once you get back to the machine learning field, you feel like, hey, actually, the the more important part is becoming like the data. We need clean data. We need a really, you know, clean uh, features, but also um, well curated labels, or you know, whether things are predictable, or whether 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 a patient is uh, responsive to a therapy, satellite, and combine them together to support the prediction powers of you know different algorithms. So that's, I would say that's my journey. And then I came to Keras uh, about eight months ago. And uh, I would say like my main responsibility here is really to uh, put together the data infrastructure here, getting all the data from the Keras dataset, mostly molecular data, Combining with real-world evidence data that we got um, from externally, combine them together, and then from this for this data set, right? We can actually build a lot of predictive powers from this data to predict, for example, you know, response to therapies. Uh, We actually have a a productionized a few uh, before I joined the company. uh, We have two uh, AI products really predicting. Response to therapies and also predicting tumor types, uh, and we have a mature program to build basically more signatures actually, uh, and, and 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 combining all the data sets and to do a lot more prediction there. So that's that's really my my journey here, and uh, I'm not sure you know, it, it's it's a lot. Like it, oh it's, no, uh, that,
0: yes. that's that's great. We're very happy to have you at Keras. but. Um... I want to try to clarify certain things to listeners. You know, JJ, when you're a host of a show, you always you blame it on the listeners and you tell them that you're clarifying things for them. But the reality is because I don't understand that stuff, I'm clarifying it for me, but just don't tell anybody. So when we say machine learning versus artificial intelligence, are these terms interchangeable? what are or are they completely different? What is machine learning? What is artificial intelligence?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, I think pretty much people use it interchangeably, but actually, there's slightly different uh, nuances, you know, in terms of differences between them. I think in general, AI or artificial intelligence is really a field that we apply machine intelligence to solve problems, and it can be machine learning in a way that, you know, you actually uh, train the machine with data to do its own prediction, but also it can be as simple as processing uh, the data with certain rules, right? I think back in, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 years, people, are, they, they, the field called expert system is really hot, and a lot of them is really rule-based system. And in that way, I would say, you know, a lot of places, they have a lot of rules, even here at Caris, we have a very mature rules engine, so that you can apply basically those tools on top of the data in hospitals. It's kind of the same thing. So that's 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 really that's that's really the, the AI field and the machine learning. In my opinion, it's a you know a, a sub discipline of AI in a way that you actually combining the data together. You visualize the data input the data as features into the machine box and tell tell the machine that hey based on this labels and features, for you example, know, you know, based on like people usually use the example of, you know, if you classify a cat from a dog and giving those features, right? How do you build the model to classify them? And, and that's a typical machine learning uh problem, I would say. So that said, you know, the sync box is like I think uh AI, it includes machine learning. As, as here, what do we do is we want to basically uh, take advantage of both.
0: So, so you're kind of training the computer to synthesize the data and give you an output that otherwise you wouldn't have been able as a human to come up with. So you're using the smartness. Of, I mean, like, for example, you know, I keep hearing about this Chat GPT—it's like trending on social media, on Twitter, and everywhere. And people just put in—they say, "I've asked Chat GPT about leukemia," and this is what they what it told me. Like, what am I asking? I just look at the computer and ask a question, and the computer tells me what it is. But who—you trained the computer already?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, in the field of you know AI and machine learning, there are a few different uh, applications, right? I think one is really you you train the computer. I think that the training the computer and to let the computer do beyond what human capable of doing is one thing, and it's but it's actually a lot about efficiency, right? How do you actually let the computer do the things that the computer is good at and the human is really good at? For example, identify objects, right? It's so easy for you to identify like hey, this is a cat, this is a dog, but for com- computer it's not that trivial. In fact you need to you know input all the features and telling computer like you know here is the, the features all you you get the images right into the computer and then start to train the computer the computer start to figuring out like hey what's the relationship between these pixels and how do I identify whether it's a cat or a dog but the, the, the advantage of computer is like it's a super fast computing power it can process so many different things so many, so much data together and in a really high throughput way. Um, I'm taking an example of uh, maybe Google Photos, right? You know, if you go to Google Photo, you can just quickly see like uh, chatting. If you use Google Photo, I use it that Yeah, I can sometimes I put like, you know, JJ on the beach, and then suddenly you found all my, you know, my, 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 my photos that was me on the beach. And if you think about the way, if you human, do it, right? You may have to label every single picture that, you know, this is a beach label and this is uh, me in the, in the picture, right? That would take times, so like every day you start to, to label them and then you have to actually label different things. And by using computer, it's really easy and automated and you can really um, have powerful application and very efficiently.
0: In cancer care, so like, why why did this become uh, important in in cancer therapy and cancer therapeutics? I mean, there are obviously the naysayers for AI and machine learning that they say, you know, no matter how much you train the computer, there are nuances when it comes to clinical care and clinical decision making that the computer just won't be able to identify the nuances. I can appreciate that as somebody who takes care of patients, like there are certain things you still have to, you know, really understand. How can you overcome the challenges of nuances and, and and why did this AI ML become so important in cancer care and cancer therapeutics?
1: Yeah, so I think there are a few actually questions here. First one is, uh, you know, why AI is important and why we should apply AI in the biomedical field. The second one is actually, um, what's the really the AI? What's the AI? What's the nuances, right? What's, what's actually, the question is about AI versus human, really. So I'll just like, you know, one at a time. And the first one is why AI is important, why we why this? Right? Just coming back to the example of Google photo, like right? It's kind of amazing, you know, how they apply the machine learning technology to a simple application to search for images to identify your face. To, to identify the background, et cetera. Imagine you apply that in the biomedical field, right? You know, today, once you get a CT scan um, and you quickly identify the lesions, right? Once you get any scan images, right, you quickly identify the lesions, you trace other lesions over time and you figure out whether it's growing or shrinking, right? And you can combine this data with you know, genomics data, you figured out like, hey, this is actually the the one we have genomics data. We found like maybe this is this region is growing, comparing to this region to the different ones, or even like time-wise, right? And figuring out what are the responsible genetics reason behind those regions growing, such that. but in reality, if you think about just taking a step back and for now, the whole biomedical field we were, we were thinking about like we, yes we are we digitized the uh, patient's data we we have those patients data in computer but if you really think about it we actually just really getting the the old uh clinical management system and the paper form into the computer but it's not really supporting the real clinical decision making yet and taking a, I I guess radiology for example, you know, um the the current like standard is still that you know you have a image from before, you have an image from here. The radiologists measure like some of the lesions and they still need to manually figure out a lot of time like which lesion is actually before here, which lesion is not, and they may, may most of the time they can only identify a few of them. But right? it's still the oldest thing that we see on movie. You know, you and out this two films up there, two to, to pictures up there, and manually actually compare. And this is pretty much the, still the standard. And that's, and that's the most advanced field in terms of applying AI in the medical field. And we are not even there comparing to, you know, Google Photo. So I think there's a lot of potential we can apply AI and the machine learning and uh, really make them much ready and much available to to support clinical decisions, to actually, to, to benefit the, the, the patient care and, and you know, the, the patient outcome. And of course, you know, not only the, the ones like, uh, and you can go beyond that. You can actually apply to, just like I said, predict responses to therapies, et cetera. And those are the signals that sometimes it's hard for human mind even to capture because you can go to combining a lot of different data sets from Different modalities, from imaging, from treatment data, from clinical et etc., and find patterns to identify, like, hey, maybe this patient is uh, on the way to, uh, you know, resistance. Right, you may need to consider this drug and that. I, th- I think that someday, I think uh, um, it's going to be, and and you know, once we start this foundation. And it iteratively improve it. It's kind of getting better and better. So I talk enough about the first question. And then the second one is really a typical question. I think there's quite a lot of uh, articles out there talking about AI versus human. And in uh, in the case of biomedical field, it's AI versus doctor. And it's always like you know, yeah, AI is like, AI has its good, but you know, it's not as good as doctor and they cannot replace doctor. But I think that's that's really a misconcept. Like when AI is not here to replace doctor, it's really like we have AI, we have doctor. How can we actually combine them together? How can we have, that's a field called a human in the loop AI. It's really how do we have AI learn from doctors, learn from data, learn from doctors and have doctors learn from AI and combine them together to actually support the patient care. I I can imagine that in the field there's a system that's more like a computer-assisted uh, clinical system. Unlike today, right? You go to the doctor, doctor pull up the screen and looking at all the different notes, etc., and make decisions. And in the future, I hope there's a they pull up a screen with all the summaries of uh, your history, what's the you know the current symptoms, and the computer make a few recommendations about. You know, here are the next actions, right? Here are the current problems, and uh, but still rely on the doctor to do to make the key decisions here. A uh, computer really assists you a lot. Um, you know, basically doing a lot of the data crunching and also the, the basic uh, tools and. Uh, prediction uh, uh, tasks and the doctor can really focus on the key issues.
0: I mean, I I view the AI or whatever machine learning is as a way to complement a physician's uh, decision. I'll give you an example where I would love for AI to intervene and then I have one last question for you. But, you know, I mean, think about a patient is coming in and has a CAT scan and there's a lung nodule. Let's say it measures a centimeter, right? And, and, and the patient is a smoker, let's say, and you wonder whether this is related to a lung cancer. Of course, to diagnose that, you need a PET scan, you need a biopsy. But if I'm able to use AI and machine learning, and if the computer tells me, look, based on this particular patient algorithm, based on the data, based on the prior chest X-ray, based on the CAT scan, based on the appearance of the image, based on all of this, It's 99%. It's not really cancerous. Then I maybe take a deep breath and say, okay, you know what? We're not going to put a needle in this because there may be a complication. I'll repeat a CAT scan in six months. That's where I really want the machine learning and AI to help physicians to minimize certain interventions when it comes to therapy, right? You know, with cancer therapy, if the, you know, machine learning tells me, this is a better therapy than the other one, then I'm helping my patient. That's where I want it. So I feel there's a complementary approach between the physician and the machine.
1: Completely agree. I think it's really, uh, you know, the, the things like you said, to assist diagnosis, right? I think and to, to to assist therapeutic selection. And I think it's really about how do we combine ai and the doctor together and how doctor actually utilize ai as a tool right to to help their decision making process and then in the process ideally the ai also learn from the doctor right so so that they can actually making it making the whole system better and better
0: so my last question uh jj is pertaining to the data itself i think you mentioned the importance of the data that you bring from the real world because in my simple mind, a lot of the training or a lot of the output that the machine is going to give you depends on the input that you put into the machine. And if the input is not great, then the output is not going to be great. In the real world, when it comes to cancer care, there's so much variations into what people are doing different than clinical trial setting. So you live and breathe this field. Are you able to use the machine and the AI to kind of standardize a little bit of this data or kind of mitigate the noise that you get from all of these variations so you can get a better output?
1: Yeah, so that's that's a great question actually. Uh, so I think, you know, we have a scene of, uh, you know, really in a field like, you know, garbage in and garbage out. If the, the input is garbage, we can't really get any, you know, change any good models from it. And I will say, you know, if we tune it a little bit, it's also noise in, noise out. So it's really important. Like, you know, the whole real world data set is very noisy and not only the whole real world data set, but also the operational data, such as the operational data we have, the operational data, that, like the hospitals, you know, have, they are supporting the operations. They may not actually, when they actually collect the data from the system, it wasn't designed to actually making machine learning models. And as a result, it's really noisy. It wasn't actually modeled in a way that you know, ideal for, 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 for machine learning or for research. So that's why it's extremely important for us to clean up the data make sure the data is research ready. And in my mind, there are actually basically two steps in order to go to the model building. One is actually you know, from the operational and the real world noisy data, to clean and research ready data and from there you can actually build models um, and you know have have fun there and a lot of time it's really about the data wrangling here um, and as your your question of whether actually machine learning can help with the steps of you know from the noisy data to the clean data of course that so much actually that's actually a, a major application of the current machine learning technology i can imagine we can Use AI algorithm, for example, it's really good at imaging analysis. We can apply imaging analysis, AI, to uh, pathology images, right? To identify, for example, the, the the different cells, to identify the cell types, to identify the tumor regions. And then from there, we can extract, you know, really deep features from these images and uh, combine those features together with other data. Uh, so that's that's really getting the data from the noisy and making them ready. But also other examples would be applying NLP methodology, right, to really uh, NLP is natural language processing methods to help clean our data, to, to identify you know, whether a patient is res, uh, responding to therapies or not, to identify whether a patient has metastatic disease or not. And those are a few examples. But really, how do we get from... Unstructured data, noisy data to the clean and structured data that can be used for machine learning. AI can help a lot there.
0: Look, I can't thank you enough for this. This is, I'm going to tell listeners, this is a teaser. I'm going to, this is a teaser podcast episode because I can talk to you for hours. You're a wealth of information and knowledge. And um, I'm going to put you on the spot that you'll have to come back and share with us in six, seven months all of the progress and everything that you are doing when it comes to AI and machine learning. Um, is there anything else I should have asked you that I completely forgot before I let you go and get back to the machines and the AI?
1: Uh, let me think about it. How about we save it for the next time? Like uh, this is my first, you know, spark cast. I'm a little bit nervous. Hopefully I'm more prepared next time.
0: You did amazing. And, you know, as I always tell my guests, if you play your cards right, you'll get invited again. And now you're going to get invited again. Dr. J.J. Gao on the Keras Molecular Minute podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, (laughs) Chaddy. Okay, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to rate the podcast and let me know what you think by direct messaging me on Twitter or by sending me an email to cnabhan at com. Thank you to Dr. Gao for spending some time with me on the Keris Molecular Minute podcast. Until next time, take care.